Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome back to another episode of the Thought Leadership Project podcast. I am Tom Nixon. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Jay Harrington. Hey, Jay. Hi, Tom. Good to see you. Good to talk to you. Yeah, good to be talked to. Um, this episode, we have a, a sponsor of sorts for this um, uh, this episode. It's it's called the Shameless Plug. So we, we've never done this before, and we will not make a habit of it, but we thought it was worth at least mentioning to the people who have uh, commented on the podcast, who said they enjoyed listening to it, have asked us how to um, how do we create our own podcast. And... Um, so our sponsor is our new podcasting service at Harrington. So Jay, do you want to talk a little bit about that? We're excited to announce it. We are excited to announce it. And I think this will be something that will be helpful to our clients and, and our listeners who are interested in exploring the world of audio as a, as a marketing and business development tool. So what we're doing is helping professionals and professional services firms across the spectrum, uh, certainly with an emphasis on, on lawyers and law firms, which has always been our, our primary focus, to conceptualize, create, and produce their own podcasts. And so we, we're offering different levels of service depending on what a particular individual or firm might be looking for. But um, you know, from start to finish, really, the idea of uh, creating something, helping them to create something that they can use as a platform for their own thought leadership. And the reason why we think this is important is because you know, there are certain technical aspects to getting a podcast started. There certainly are strategic ones that should be considered. And you know, we're in a position to be able to help um, with all aspects of that uh, for our clients. So, so we're definitely excited to roll this out. Um, you can learn more about it on our website, which is h communications.biz.biz and just search our services for our podcast production and consulting. And we'd be happy to uh, set up a free consultation to anyone that might be interested in starting their own podcast to kind of talk through the options, think through some of the strategic issues and really explore whether this might be a good fit for you. Uh, And we think it's a great fit for anyone who is um, interested in producing uh, thought leadership, reaching audiences in a new way. And um, as you know, we'll continue to talk about, and we've, we've recently written about, Tom, you have a blog post up on our blog about this issue in particular, is there's a great business case for podcasting. Um, it's a really good business development tool. It is a unique way to connect with audiences, and we'll talk about that a little bit in this episode as well. But um, we just think it's um, one of the key trends that we're looking at for 2020 for our clients, and um, we're excited to roll out this service to help others um, start something of their own in the podcasting realm. Yep. Great. It's it's exciting for us. And um, like you said, there is a business case to be made, and um, I did my best to make it in that blog post that you referenced. And so... Uh, again, today's episode, I guess, brought to you by Harrington Communications and our podcasting services. Um, you can also, of course, learn more about that and w- why we do it at thethoughtleadershipproject.com. Um, and the blog post that you referenced, Jay, was inspired in part by today's topic, um, which was um, born from a prior podcast episode in which we had a guest on, Adrian Lurson from JD Supra. 
And he mentioned something in passing that I thought was not only brilliant, but it was worth a deeper dive. And so I wanted to pick your brain on that today. And he used the um, expression content business development. And he explained it a bit and he talked about how content um, as we historically think of it, it, it was largely a marketing function that operated at the top of the sales funnel. And now he sees it, and I agree, he sees it moving further down the sales funnel and how lawyers and other professional service providers should be thinking of content in a new light. Not only how do I get my name out there, but then how do I actually develop business and create sales opportunities about that? So, I thought that would be a good place uh, to, to dive deeper. And maybe before we do, I should just set up because I've, I've been accused of this before where I start talking about the sales funnel and I assume that everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about and half the audience does and half the audience doesn't. So um, I'll try to visualize it, um, you know, just to set this up and then maybe then again, get on to picking your brain. But um, the sales funnel um, is a historical uh, nomenclature for how we um, – process and nurture uh, relationships and um, take somebody through a process from somebody who maybe is never aware of you down to the uh, point where they're actually purchasing something from you. So we'll put the visual up on the show notes um, for this episode, but picture a funnel and everyone who is outside of that funnel is somebody in the world who's unaware that you even exist. And the people in the funnel are the people who um, are in various stages of a relationship with you or your firm. And there's kind of four levels to it. And at the top level, um, the top level is defined as awareness. So obviously that is the first hurdle that you need to, to clear when you're you know, hoping to nurture a, a, a relationship that might lead to business development is people need to have heard of you. And um, historically, marketing and advertising is doing all of the heavy lifting at the top of the sales funnel. Um, we're doing, you know, think of historically like television ads or radio ads or whatever. You're trying to get the mass populace aware of who you are, because if you can't get them aware of who you are, you'll never get them down to the next layer of the sales funnel, which is interest. So interest is after someone becomes aware of you, some percentage of that population will actually be interested in what you offer, what you have to sell. Um, and so they're moving down the sales funnel. In marketing, historically, plays a pretty significant role here. Think of a television commercial. So not only are they trying to make you aware of a car, say, they're actually trying to create some intrigue or interest depending on who their target market is. You know, a sports car, they're going to try to uh, portray as very sexy or, you know, something like that. It's not just awareness, it's actual interest. Again, marketing's doing the heavy lifting there. The next level down is um, after interest is desire. So, you know, and eventually that interest needs to be converted into desire. They need to not only be in intrigued by what you offer, but they actually have to want it. And this is where marketing starts to um, uh, pass the baton a bit to sales. Marketing is still working here. So marketing is still trying to drive intrigue, interest, um, um, towards action, which we'll get to in a minute. But now sales is starting to play a deeper role. And that's where, you know, it's more of a person to person, belly to belly kind of transactional. We're trying to actually close something. And then lastly, at the very bottom of the sales funnel is action. That's the sale, say. Uh, and down at the bottom of the sales funnel, sales is doing all of the heavy lifting. Marketing might be still operating in the background, to hopefully influence a, a final decision. But now the, the baton's been fully passed to 
at, uh, to the sales team when you get down to action. So back to what Adrian, the point he made, which I thought was interesting, is like I said, you know, marketing and certainly content marketing, I think has historically been thought of a, a top of the sales funnel type of activity or middle of the sales funnel, but not so much at the bottom of the sales funnel. And that's, that's changing. Um, in, you know, we haven't talked about this, Jay. This is the first time you and I will, will actually discuss this. But were you struck, too, by, by Adrian's point there? And has it maybe start to realign your thinking as to where content lives in the traditional sales funnel? For sure. And I think that was a, a great explanation of the, of the sales funnel, Tom. But, but it's definitely changing. And I think in the context of legal services, content can play an even stronger role down the sales funnel um, and a more important role um, for, for various reasons. I mean, we're not talking here about, you know, some commodity product that maybe, you know, you have a, an aggressive salesperson pitching where you might wear down the, you know, the buyer and they're going to, just to get you off their back, they're going to buy what you're trying to sell. That's not the case in legal services, obviously. We're talking about high ticket item services, very sophisticated, sophisticated buyers, um, ethical rules that prevent you from engaging in those types of sales. So content can play an important role in the, in the you know, broad context of, of selling um, legal services. And, and it definitely does play uh, a role up and down the funnel. Um, so yeah, I think we can dive into that a little more deeply. Um, but even taking a step back and, and thinking about the role of content up and down the sales funnel from the point of generating awareness to the point of closing a deal, um, you know, it still starts with what I'd like to refer to as, I guess, the defining question as you're thinking about your content marketing, which is, again, who do we serve? Like, you know, really understanding clearly who your audience is, because that can lead you to the next question, which is um, what I like to call the focusing question, which is, what does my ideal client need to know, understand, or believe before they will do business with me? So when you're thinking about how to craft content for each stage of the sales funnel, if you can keep those two questions in mind and answer them clearly, then you're going to have a much uh, easier time to create the type of content that engages people and moves them through the sales funnel. What's also important to keep in mind, I think, is that... Um, you're, you're, create, you're going to want to create content that moves prospects into and down the funnel. But um, as part of that process, it's important to keep in mind that buyers themselves um, are moving through the decision-making process and asking themselves their own questions, starting with, how do I solve this problem or challenge or seize this opportunity that I'm facing? Um, and then as they move down the funnel, why should I consider and buy from this law firm versus another? So these are some of the fundamental questions that we need to think about when we're thinking about how to craft content. Um, if, we can, if we can keep those questions in mind, uh, we'll, be able to, we'll be able to create something much more tailored to the circumstances in which you're operating and, and the types of buyers that you're trying to sell to. So um, content can and should address each of these questions. And what, what they'll help you do is help you and your firm to be seen as thought leaders throughout the process. And ultimately, you're trying to go from that point of awareness to uh, the point of being seen as a trusted advisor or trusted resource um, for your prospective client, which is, you know, kind of that, that precursor to them signing an engagement agreement. Um, so 
there are different forms of content that serve different purposes at each stage of the sales funnel. So at the top, what you're really trying to overcome is the fact that, you know, to, to a large extent of the buying population, um, you, you're operating in cl uh, complete anonymity, anonymity as a law firm or a lawyer. Uh, so what you're trying to do there is, is gain awareness and generate attention. So, for purposes of um, for purposes of of doing that, you need to create content such as um, blog posts, infographics, podcast episodes, short videos, the type of content that um, you can produce, you know, generally at scale in large volume, um, promoted in the in the uh, marketplace of ideas, and reach a broad range of people. Um, now, the content's not going to be for everyone, but you're going to be creating it at, at a volume at which allows you to generate that awareness um, that you're looking for at the top of the funnel. Um, importantly, as we talked about, the whole purpose behind thinking about creating content that uh, sort of maps to the, the sales funnel is the fact that you wanna move people from one stage of the funnel to another. Um, so, in your top of funnel content, your blog posts and other forms of content, um, it's important to do things like uh, include a call to action. You wanna make it clear to those consuming your content what the logical next step is to engage in a deeper relationship with you. And oftentimes that's a, a call to action. Uh, one thing we like to do when we're working with clients is make sure that um, there's, a, there's a call to action that allows them to um, essentially move to the middle of the funnel Oftentimes, how we do that is helping our clients to create a gated piece of content, something that's not freely available without exchanging, for example, um, the reader's email address uh, to get access to that content. So they exchange your email address, you give them some gated piece of content, such as a white paper, an ebook, or some more in-depth guide. Then you've got a direct channel of communication to them uh, through an email address or otherwise, which allows you to move them to the next stage of the funnel, um, which allows you to further nurture that lead into a more solid prospect. Um, so, Tom, I'm, I'm kind of about to transition to the to the middle of the funnel. Anything you have to add to that? Well, um, not so much add, but maybe just emphasize two things that you said that I think are important. One is, you know, when we use the term content, that's maybe that's a, a marketing syllogism or something, I, you know, content. I think historically people at our business, when they thought of content marketing, it was blogging and in written word. And you made the point, and obviously the whole reason we've launched a podcasting services division is because content takes so many different forms. And the, not only do you need to map the content um, to the prospect, potentially. So certain forms of content, as you said, will, will operate, um, depending on who the audience is differently and some will be more effective than others. But then also where you're going next, which is mapping the content, ma mapping not only the content, but the delivery mechanism to um, the position in the sales funnel. So email, for example, you just referenced it. Someone who's unaware of you goes to your website. Now they're aware of you. Maybe they kick the tires. Maybe they're, they're intrigued enough that they want to sign up. They're willing to exchange an email address um, for the content you d delivered. And now they are in the middle of the sales funnel. And they may or may not be ready to purchase yet, but there's at least 
enough interest? How do you get that interest to desire? Sometimes that takes time. And sometimes that's an email campaign over months or weeks or who knows how long. I've, I have a client that just got a huge piece of business from somebody that was on their mailing list for seven years. And, um, you know, the whole time they had no idea that this prospect was kicking the tires to the degree that they were. So when you get to the middle of the sales funnel, it's not only different content potentially, but it's also a different delivery mechanism. Yeah. And that's, that's right. And so, um, the types of content that you're sharing with those, those parties who have expressed some interest in you, your brand, the services you provide, um, you know, it, you, you still might be feeding them some of that top of funnel blog posts, podcast episode content, but also things like eBooks or guides or white papers. Uh, perhaps you're hosting a webinar that they'll um, sign up for. Um, this is content that oftentimes is a little bit more in depth, research-based, um, and it's created for the purposes of st- establishing that greater trust. And again, nurturing them down to the bottom of the funnel, which is where at this point, you know, you've, they've, they're, they're, at some point, if you've sort of finished or, or in the midst of the nurturing process, it's time to maybe uh, give them something that will help to close the deal. Um, and, and I oftentimes find that the most effective content to, to overcome one of the barriers to buying, which is oftentimes, again, you know, the, if you think about it from a buyer's perspective, a, a buyer of legal, legal services, they're, they're anxious about whether they're making the right decision, whether you're the right service provider. One of the ways to, to overcome that through content is sharing content that has some form of social proof to it. So social proof being some objective third party um, evidence, so to speak, that, that gives them the confidence that others trust you, so they should too. So this might be content that um, is in the form of, of case studies, testimonials. It doesn't need to be solely that form of content, but content and incorporates that um, social proof from other objective third parties, essentially vouching for your expertise. And I think that works very well at the bottom of the funnel as a form of content to overcome some of those barriers to, to the buying decision. Yeah, there's barriers to the buying decision, but I also would like to address the barriers to the selling proposition, which is depending on who you are, uh, I know a lot of people and a lot of attorneys that have an aversion to quote unquote sales. Um, There's certainly ethical things that you brought up, but there's also apprehension. Um, I'll think of one in particular that I know this person just doesn't want to be in the position of having to sell, doesn't want to be a business development person, wants to be a lawyer totally understandable. It's what they went to school for, right? But once you get to the point where you're a partner and your partners are looking at you saying, where's your book? You're, you sort of have to in some ways. So uh, I've invited a, a guest uh, on that I think will speak to it more, uh, who is a, a very accomplished sales trainer with Sandler, um, which I've been through that program. And, you know, I have my own selling aversion as well. And, but you can overcome the, the fear of selling with content too. So for example, the idea of cold calling somebody, no matter what business you're in is, is terrifying for, for it, a lot that's of a horrible. People. That gives me cold sweats right now. I it's know. Horrible. Well, that's why you and I went into marketing and my brother went into sales and he'll call anyone and sell that Eskimo snowball. But for me, it's like, Hey, I don't want to do that. But if I have a piece of valuable content that I think is actually going to educate or inform somebody in some way, I'm not 
calling to ask them for anything. I'm maybe sending something that they will value. Um, and that's a different type of door opener. The same end result, which is you're trying to kind of break the ice, but I have no aversion to sending somebody who I know and like and respect something that I think is actually going to help them with their business. So the, the send ahead, right? A piece of content like you referenced. Right. And, and it, that I think helps that addresses the reality of selling. I think of first sophisticated professional services of any type, which is that you're not going to talk someone into buying your services if they don't have a need for it immediately. But what content can do is a keep you top of mind so that if there is an urgent need, they're thinking of you and B um, help to convince the party on the other side of the table uh, that you have the expertise necessary to, to help solve their problem. So you're, you're probably not going to create the demand through your content, but you're going to help reinforce the decision that you're the right person to solve the problem they already have. Right. And if you're doing it, if, if you're a giver and not a taker, say, um, which is, I think, something Roy Sexton brought up, if this is authentic to who you are, then even if you're not making a sale, you're still providing value, which comes back to you at some point in the future. So um, just the simple act, even if the person doesn't return your email when, once you've offered them, say, a white paper for free, um, you've made an impression. And you know, to the point that I made earlier, the, the, the client of mine who got a client seven years in the making, they were giving them free value all along and they were chipping away at that interest to desire to action ultimately. Um, there's some other ways we could do a um, almost a lightning round because there's other things. I, I love this idea of, you know, again, being the sales averse person that I am of offering something as opposed to asking for something. Um, one of my favorites, I should let you actually bring this up because this is something that, that, that you kind of opened my eyes to, and that is the invitation to something. So not the, hey, can I take you to lunch or can I take you to coffee um, so that I can, you know, do a bait and switch and try to sell you, but an invitation to give me an example, Jay. Sure. So, yeah, it, as everyone knows, it's done sales, especially, you know, the old way that I think the, the old traditional sort of notion of, of selling legal services, which was the the steak dinner, the the round of golf or the ball game or, or even these days, you know, that just the, the quick lunch, all of those things are difficult. Uh, it's, it's hard. People are so busy. Um, they don't, they don't have the time to do that kind of thing anymore. Clients, prospective clients, um, they don't necessarily want to be doing that because they're taking time away from their family or their other interests, whatever the case might be. So you've got to find some hook to make an authentic connection with someone that is, um, you know, ultimately going to benefit you, but it it has value for the party on the other side. So yes, the invitation, not the cold call. So in in for, as an example of that, it related to what we're doing in terms of the new podcasting service we're providing, one of the best um, ways that that I'm aware of to make connections with prospective clients and industry influencers within uh, the niche market you might be focused on is having your own podcast and inviting other people on as guests. They're, they're flattered by that notion. They get a chance to talk about themselves and their own thought leadership, and they don't see that as a sales pitch. They see it as something that benefits them. Um, the same principle applies for, you know, I've had this own experience. I've written a couple books. I'm working on, on a third one, so I'm in the thick of this as we speak. Just this week, I was sending out emails to 
um, various lawyers who are, I know, super successful, very busy, um, who I want to speak to, uh, to interview as subjects in, in the book that I'm working on. And those, those people would not give me the time of, of day um, if I was just reaching out to them to say, hey, can I have 15 minutes of your time to talk about the services we provide? But if I say, hey, I want to interview for the book I'm working on, um, I, get a, I get a very high success rate in terms of having those conversations. And they're not sales conversations. They're just conversations for purposes of, of you know, getting a download of their expertise to include in my book. But as a result, I establish a connection and a relationship and, and lawyers can do the same thing as well. So um, these, are, these are some of the ways that uh, this, this can be, be done. But the idea is think about ways you can provide someone else value. Um, another example, another great example that comes to mind is um, if, you're, if you're creating content and you're writing for your firm's website or ideally writing to publish in outside publications, think about opportunities to co-author those articles with prospective clients. Um, you, you may do all of the work, you would have done it anyway if you did it by yourself, but invite a general counsel at a, at a company that you might uh, be interested in doing work for to, to co-author an article and, and they'll, most people jump at that opportunity uh, and have that uh, content published in a respected publication and they get, they get to share that with their network and they get to, you know, build their reputation as a thought leader as a result. Um, you're going to have, again, you're going to have a hard time take, getting that person to come out to lunch with you but there's a high likelihood that they're going to say yes to an invitation to co-author an article together. What about it, a similar vein? Cause we've talked about the value of guest blogging on, you know, industry blogs, you serve a, a particular niche in um, guest authoring a post in a publication or a blog that caters to that niche is extremely valuable. But what about in that same vein and just inviting that subject matter expert to author a post for your own blog? Say, you know, we really think you're an expert. We value your expertise. You're closer to this industry than we are. Would you write uh, for us, you know, a, 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 a 800 word topic, you know, blog on topic X? Again, it's flattering. Um, you're opening a door. You're providing value. If nothing ever comes to it, fine. But you've started a relationship. Um, or, um, well, I have another idea, but I'll pause there. So, I mean, you're nodding. People can't see you nodding, but I can. Yeah. <laughs> Is that something you've done before? Yeah, I think all, all of those um, topics. In fact, the, the last one you brought up, Tom, which is the um, inviting a, a, a prospective client or, or someone of influence to write for your own firm's blog. Um, we're working on a project right now for a client where uh, they're, they're doing a, the, the, the attorneys are involved in, in writing the content um, but it is a it is a co-authored piece with a client that's going to appear on the firm's blog and go out to, um, you know, via their newsletter and, and whatnot. Um, and and that you know the process of having a you know the firm invested in having a professional writer, um, you know, through our agency, uh, do an interview, get a download of of subject matter expertise from all three parties, and then crafting a polished article that they can. Um, they can then publish um, is, is a big win for them. The, the subject matter expert, the outside expert was flattered again by the opportunity to do it and thankful. And, and it just cements that relationship between attorney and client to work on these types of projects together. Yep, exactly. And then um, last idea I could, that comes to mind, I'm sure you'll come up with others, but um, when we did as a firm, we did a market research survey 
earlier this year. And so you're reaching out to, again, subject matter experts in the industry that you serve, and you're asking them to participate in a survey. You're actually in inviting them to participate in a piece of content that you will eventually turn around and redistribute to that same audience as a thank you for participating. Here were our findings. I thought you might find these trends interesting, maybe something you hadn't considered, um, what your peers are talking about. And so now this works three ways. It's the flattering invite for somebody to lend their expertise into the survey. There's the creation of a really good piece of content that could probably stand the test of time that you're going to share with the broader market. But then there's also the third piece, which is the touchback, which again, maybe it's further down the sales funnel because now you're nurturing um, uh, an outreach that you, you, you did earlier and now you, but you have a good excuse to circle back to them. So it's just, that's a really good way where content lives all over the sales funnel up and down. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that idea a lot as well. Um, if I had to, if I had to categorize these in terms of effectiveness, um, which which I'll do, uh, I, I I would say right now you have um, to. Yeah, I have to. You do I, have everyone's to. just everyone's just you know, <laughs> hang on every word here. Um, but I, I do I do honestly believe that it, I think in the moment we're in. Um, the ability to connect with people through a podcast of your own is, is probably the most effective way to do this right now. Um, that's been both through, I think, our experience here in, in doing our own podcast and just working with clients in the same regard. I think that's true for a few reasons. One, podcasting is seen as new, exciting, you know, on trend, uh, and, and people, get, potential guests are, are very apt to say yes to appearing on a, on a podcast episode to talk about what they're experts at. Um, secondly, it, it doesn't take much time at all um, with you know, the ability to, to do um, video conferencing uh, remotely. You can take 30 minutes of someone's time as opposed to you know, so that some of these other things like inviting them to speak on a panel, which requires them to get on a plane. Who wants to do that these days? Um, a podcast episode is really quick. And, and you get to have, you know, again, 30 to 60 minute in-depth interesting, engaging conversation with someone who you might not otherwise have had a chance to develop a relationship with. And, and that's oftentimes enough to really get the ball, ball rolling in terms of having that follow-up conversation, which is, hey, you know, I really enjoyed that, that episode. Thank you for having me on your podcast. And tell me a little bit more about what you do. Um, and that, you know, that's what you're aiming for, obviously, as a, as a, um, you know, a lawyer looking to develop a relationship with someone. And, and I think that's I think that is the most effective way these days to, to go about um, using a content platform to enable business development. Yeah, in that, I touch on that in the blog post that we referenced earlier. I, there's something about this format that is A, way more immersive than text, which we still advocate for written content, of course. But when we're having authentic, authentic conversations, it's more immersive, it's more authentic, it, you're revealing more of your personal brand, it's more engaging. Um, I'm thinking about the guests we've had on our own podcast. Those are really great conversations that I think showed a side of not only the guests we had on, but hopefully a side of ourselves that was in some way, you know, endearing in a way that, hey, sending some emails back and forth in, in um, you know, trying to schedule a lunch that never happens. It just, it's just different and it's deeper in, um, we spend our entire days, especially as lawyers and as marketers, writing and reading. This is different and it's it's interesting and it's sort of old school meets new technology. Yeah, and it's fun too. I mean, I I really enjoy it. Um, and and like you said, it's it's interesting. I mean, I I learn something on every episode, whether from you, Tom, or or 
uh, you know, just doing the research for it myself or certainly from our guests. So it's, it's, it's been pretty cool. So, um, and, and as a, as a byproduct of that, it's, it's been good for, for business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think uh, we've covered it. Anything you wanted to add before we sign off? Um, uh, you know, I think just broadly speaking, for me, the takeaway is I think people need to reconsider, reevaluate the role that content's playing in their overall marketing scheme in terms of do we need to adopt and adapt new platforms and technologies? And do we need to think about it playing a role to Adrian's point that's inspired this entire um, episode? Do we need to think about how it plays further down the sales funnel? Anything else you want to add to that? No, just to emphasize, it, it really requires a strategic approach. I think for a long time, firms have been on autopilot with their content, thinking that just, you know, the perfunctory uh, approach to writing a few blog posts and sending out a few email newsletters uh, every month was content marketing. And, and it is in a sense, but there's so much more opportunity there. And this blending between content marketing and business development is really the next evolution. I think the firms that really uh, grasp that and embrace that challenge of how to use content more effectively for business development will, will see a lot of benefit from that in 2020. Um, and that, that requires you know, the, the analysis of, again, who do we serve, what matters to them, um, how do we, as we move prospects through the funnel, into the funnel and then down through it, how do we continue to get like more and more micro-targeted with our content so that we can we can use content as a means to to target specific um, and 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 target and appeal to specific audiences and and prospective clients? So it's really just you know thinking at another level about how content can help serve business development. Yep. Great. Well, we'll leave it there. And if you missed the episode with Adrian, I, I highly recommend it. Well, you know, I really recommend all of our podcasts, but that one that inspired this one is probably the most relevant, but um, check out the thoughtleadershipproject.com. Um, be sure to check out our sponsor for today's episode, which is hcommunications.biz. And um, we're really excited about our podcasting services. We actually have a couple already in the conception phase. So that's exciting. And um, until then, Jay, I guess we'll talk to you next time. Sounds good, Tom. Have a great rest of the day. And thanks everybody for listening. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.